All right, everybody get your rat squeaks out. Gods of war. May I have a be mighty. <laughs> no, that's not this week. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of Hidden Doors and High Scores, a podcast where four dudes talk about games. I'm Austin. I'm Garrett. And I'm Chris. And this week we're talking about A Plague Tale Requiem. Or more accurately, A Plague Tale <laughs> Requiem. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Plague Tale Requiem is a stealth action survival horror game, direct sequel to A Plague Tale Innocence, which came out in 2019, that at least Austin and I played. Garrett, I don't know if you played that, but Austin and I both really, really loved it. What we really loved about it was the story. Gameplay, I think we've talked about on a previous episode, and was eh, and the mechanics were eh sometimes. But the story was super compelling and interesting and gripping, and we really loved it. This game just continues directly from that, picks up, continues the story of Amicia and Hugo, set in medieval France during the Inquisition slash bubonic plague, and they're trying to escape the evil forces now. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the gameplay in this game is the same as Plague Tale Innocence in the sense that um, it's mostly a stealth game. Most of what you're doing is just sort of, you're in an area, there'll be a bunch of guards in an area, and you have sort of different little patches of tall grass or you know things that you can knock over to sort of distract guards and just sneak by them Uh, essentially if you get caught there's not a lot of combat in the game although there's some but for the most time most of the time when you're playing like if you get caught by a guard in melee range you're just dead and there's there's nothing to do so most of what you're doing is just sneaking by guys and then there's some puzzle solving light puzzle solving in the same style as like the puzzles are basically move move a crate this way we talked <laughs> That's about the complication when we puzzles. talked about plague tale innocence on backlog bonanza episode that was one of the things that we brought up was that like it's puzzle with a lowercase p it's like <laughs> very simplistic like move this block to this thing so you can climb up to the next level or like look around and see what thing you can break with your slingshot to get it to drop to a location or something like that. Like that is the extent of the puzzle solve. It's all pretty obvious. It's it's more just like stuff to do to sort of keep you going when you're not dodging guards. It's like, well, we have to do something here to make you cross this area. That's more than just walk across the area. Right. And even then a lot of it is like, press the interact button to pick up a stick and then light it and then walk across the area and then do the next like checkpoint basically like yeah not a whole lot of the puzzle solving you do bring up a good point though much of this game takes place at night and uh, there's a sort of mechanics where you need fire with you or to be in light kind of at all times so you sometimes get a stick and light it on fire to keep a torch with you because there are tons and tons of rats everywhere and that is kind of the the horror element of this game is it's not just like oh there's some rats in town they're causing the plague there are thousands of rats and they will eat you alive (laughs) yeah uh so that's kind of the 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 scary sort of horror elements of this game and and at a few points in this game i was legitimately like jesus that is horrifying yeah there's uh the like kind of the first time you encounter the rats in this game you like fall into this sewer basement type thing and then these rats like burst through the walls and it's literally like waves of them like the animation must have been like 
oh, this is what it looks like when water comes through a thing into a corridor and it goes, you know, like, and it comes, like, towards you and you have to run away from the wave of rats that's coming. And it's, it looks pretty impressive, to be honest. Yeah, I, also, I thought those little run, like, action sequences were pretty fun. Yeah. They're, they're fairly simple, but they were, they were cool breaks in the otherwise fairly slow plotting, you know, stealth gameplay. Yeah, I actually have stuff to talk about that uh, about the the graphics engine, but we should we should talk about who developed this game. Before I talk about the developers, I wanted to add a new segment called Thirty Second News Roundup, where I talk about random gaming news of the week for thirty seconds. Modern Warfare has been seeing people hit max level, but one player has done a full pacifist run by having zero kills and only playing the objective. Talk about free time. In Overwatch 2 news, they just allowed crossplay aim assist for PC players. We'll see how that goes. Kerbal Space Program 2 is going to let you have competitive multiplayer space races. The RTX 3080 is finally dropping in price to $700 due to the outrageously expensive 4080 cards. And the Chinese government is softening its stance on video game restrictions, believing that, quote, video games are good, actually. And now, back to the developers. The the company that developed this is Asobo Studios. Asobo, am I saying that right? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's a 250-person studio in Bordeaux, France. Uh, their other games are Microsoft Flight Simulator, which is a pretty in-depth flight simulator-type game. They did a bunch of Disney games, but not Kingdom Hearts, notably. They, yeah. it was, uh, the studio was created by the 12 guys that were video game developers, and they bought a PlayStation 2 game called Super Farm, which thus created Asobo Studios. What is Super Farm? Wait, explain. <laughs> It looks like a banjo kazooie. It's but it but even worse. Okay, wait. So they made that game? <laughs> no, they bought the rights to it, and that's what started their company. Super okay, weird. weird. Uh, well, yeah, and I think this company was pretty small up until about five years ago, and then Plague Tale Innocence was like kind of successful, and then they did Microsoft Flight Simulator, and that. Yeah, they really blew up. Very, very successful. I know it won some Game of the Year awards when it came out. Best French Game of the Year, I think it won. Yeah, so they they definitely put put themselves on the map, and I think they hired a lot more people to to do this game. Yeah, so I know a little bit about this studio. Uh, I know that they made their own graphics engine for this game, and so with their with their lots and lots of money from Microsoft Flight Studio, they created their own graphics engine. They didn't use Unreal or anything else. And I think it looks incredible. Uh, I think they did such a good job. Uh, You know what? I kind of don't. Uh, Interesting. I think... So one of of my problems with the first game was how weird it looked. That, like, it just... It focuses weird. Like, some things are in focus on the screen and some things are not. Yeah, that's true. And... This game, like, literally the first thing I wrote down was that the graphics are the same. Like, they didn't improve on the graphics from the first game at all. Well, that sequence where you're running through the city and the rats are kind of, like, exploding the buildings, that right there is pretty impressive, I would say. Right, but, like, that was exactly the same thing as the first game. There's, there are some bits of it that look incredible, and then there are other bits of it that look garbage. And I just don't know how they did, like 
both you know what i mean like and mm-hmm. it's, it's especially noticeable in the cinematics when the there are like close-up on characters faces because the mouth animations of characters talking are god awful but if you look at the hair on their heads it's perfect oh, well yeah, yeah hold on i agree the mouth animations are really bad but i actually think that's because i think a lot french. of the characters are in french yeah i think the yeah. dialogue is in french that, makes that is probably true but like it's the way the mouths move it's it, yeah like, it doesn't it look doesn't good look no good. I'll, yeah. I'll give you that but like looking at like the fucking like crow's feet lines on people's yeah. faces and the dirt smudges and every hair on their face like i think the characters look really really good also i have i have a question for you guys i would like you to guess they updated their rat rendering in this game oh my god so how many rats can be rendered on screen at any time i mean just based on that running scene through the city a million <laughs> like oh man i was gonna I'm, i was gonna way lowball that uh garrett's saying i'm, I'm gonna say tw- <laughs> uh 20 000. okay it's 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 uh between your two guesses it is three hundred thousand rats at a time <laughs> that is crazy yeah you know it's but you know what i think it's funny about that that was probably a clue to that in the title screen because in the first game there was like 11 rats on the screen in the yeah. and then in the title screen for this game it's like a much bigger field and there's like <laughs> thousands of them on there yeah. so yeah they were clearly just showing off the new absolutely new rat rendering yep yep Three hundred thousand rats wow <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous that is insanity but uh, to go with uh, what chris was saying the rats close up they don't look that great they really they don't, don't look good <laughs> i would agree with that they don't look good but they don't really need to look good because like most of the time you're looking at them you know hundreds or thousands yeah. at a yeah, time exactly. and you're not supposed to be able to really pick out details except for and like, they're in the, the dark and it's yeah like, i yeah, mean you right. can see their glowing eyes and that's all you really need to see yeah just a bunch of writhing bodies like yeah I'm, that's not a thing i have a problem with i would say on the story it was gripping for someone who didn't play the first game uh the beginning was great and then it drags do you not agree it drags really hard on the third act yeah there's they, there's a point and it just it dead stops yeah i mean look we can just talk about it and we could just bleep shit out or cut shit okay. out okay um <laughs> uh yeah but i i there's a part after you like escape the count and countess and there's this fucking random like dude named milo Who's like an angry guy who wants to sacrifice people for blood to like bring the coming of the rat god? And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, you had a good plot going with like the cat. Who is this guy? He just fucking shows up. I want to make the paid DLC, so they just let's just add it in the game. <laughs> make it a chapter. Um, I really liked. I really liked Arnold. Um, I thought he was a super cool character. Um, I, you know, he's kind of a dick, uh, but you, you kind of learn to love him as you go. Yeah. Um, I didn't really understand why they Amicia and Hugo like so strongly sort of broke with him when they get to the island. <laughs> Amicia throughout the both of these games has this like his kind of an unreasonable aversion to violence which is funny because like you play as amicia in most of the games and like all you do is commit violence on people all the time and like it's it's 
pointed out in like a very ham-fisted way that her killing people is a big deal to her except then never discourages you from doing it ever and like it's just not a big deal for the player for you to kill people like because it just happens so often but then like the um the cinematic scenes when it happens like amicia just has like a killing ridiculous emotion emotional reaction based on seemingly nothing and like i think that's one of those instances where she's just like what you want me to kill someone i don't kill people like (laughs) yeah i mean like i think it it had maybe some more imp would have had more impact if those scenes and i don't remember the first game that that well um but like those scenes make more sense in the first game where it's like this is the first time she's ever had to kill somebody right and in this game that's just that's just not really the case. Like right. she's done a whole game of, of having to kill some people before right. and dealing with all these horrors. And like, I get that it's emotionally traumatizing and stressful, but yeah, her, her reactions are a little out. In the first, in the first game, she kills several people per chapter, uh, yeah. it, over like a long period of time. She just is constantly killing people. And it's like, okay, you just can't have that aversion anymore. Well, and like these games definitely are about like, sort of the death of innocence of, for these children, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, in in, a, in the same way that, like, The Last of Us is kind of that way with Ellie, right? Same yeah. kind of thing, where it's like, she's a child, but boy, like, being in this horrible world makes her grow up really fast. It's and, just like, kind of silly that she continues to be that way after the entire first game. But yeah. I, the story is still good. I was still, like... Still liked all the characters, especially the bad guys. I thought the bad guys in the first game were great, and they're even better in this game. Like they have way more personality. The count and the countess, especially, like were just well written characters with interesting motivations. And like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, you're just immediately set, you know, against them by the writing, but like there's a world in which you know if you're given a choice in this game maybe you do what they want yeah their motivations and stuff are pretty reasonable until they murder your mom and then you're like yeah you didn't need to do that right like that wasn't part of the thing other than like i'm the mother right yeah (laughs) but also like oh yeah man these people are these people are deranged like they don't they don't think that murdering your mother is gonna make these kids not like you like they're not like if they were like two, like yeah, you could probably get away with it. They won't really remember. But like they're conscious creatures. Like they've spent the last few years with their mom. They're not going to take kindly to that, right? But yeah, Garrett, do you want to say more about uh, how it kind of drags in the middle? I mean, I I just don't agree with you guys too much. I I was not captivated by the story. I couldn't really get a connection to the characters. I thought the dialogue was cringy a lot of the time. And then also the fact that all the main character does is whisper the entire time they got. I agree with you that the dialogue is cringy. The dialogue is also cringy in the first game. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. So they just went right on pocket. I Maybe that's a language problem. I don't know. But um, I will say that, like, I can totally understand where you're coming from. Because the reason I was invested in this game is because I loved the first game so much. And it was entirely the story. The story is better in the first game than it is. Okay. And like as far especially as far as like introducing the characters and Hugo and Amicia in particular, but like there are a bunch of other like characters that are on your side, including Lucas and some other people that like 
are way they're just developed better in the first game and that's why they're interesting to me like i already had an emotional investment from the jump in this game whereas okay. you had to build one and that's probably the difference yeah yeah like you probably don't really care about lucas because he's nope. in like a few scenes and yeah just exactly. like mm. <laughs> yeah and but like, lucas oh, man, is like already... an in- he's like an integral character in the first one and is yeah. like and like the way you meet up with him and get him to join you is really interesting. Like that particular level is just like kind of where the game really gets like gets the ball rolling in the first one. And so like I was really excited when Lucas shows up right at the beginning of the second game. I was like, hell yeah, Lucas is back. Let's go. Oh yeah, with the the scene where when they have to leave uh, her mother and Lucas, I'm just like dump them. Get get out of there. They're, they're nothing to the story. <laughs> <laughs> Dead weight. Dead weight. Get That's out of there. That's a line. Like this really emotional moment. Garrett's just I like, man, fuck it. Yeah, but I get that. Without without having pra- past interactions with them, your interactions with your mom and Lucas at that point are pretty minimal in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really like Darno. Um, I like the Count and Countess. I could give a shit less about Sophia. Uh, that's the pirate lady. Yeah. She's fine, but like, eh. Yeah, I feel like she either should have been in more of the game or none of the game. Like, it was yeah, just, exactly. Just like, they're like, they we're introducing this new character, and then you just never see her again. It's like, okay, cool. So it's like, yeah, there was definitely some hits and definitely some misses for me personally with sort of the characters and the general story. But overall, I enjoyed it. I I really liked the ending of the story. It felt appropriate and on theme for the the game's tone and world yeah i don't think this game is very hard no for the most part well like in the puzzly sections it's you're just solving things and moving forward none of that is difficult there is like an rpg system which i thought was kind of interesting yeah Um, just because they had two different things where one is like leveling up your weapons and stuff and then there's sort of just like a passive level up system yeah. That makes the game easier in the stuff that you do most. So if you go into everything like guns blazing, then you get better at killing people guns blazing. You unlock like skills that help you do that. And if you just like sneak past everyone, then you get skills that make your stealth better. But you can't really control it. That's an interesting change from the first game. Because in the first game, there was like a bunch of like little collectible things along your you know path in the level that was like, you know, you had to, like, collect rocks to be able to put in your slingshot, and this game you just have an infinite number of them. You don't need to do that. Right. And I mean, yeah, so I, I mean, I agree with you. The game is pretty easy. I played on the hard, the harder mode. Yeah. Um, where basically you die in, in one hit. And yeah. I, I only had trouble with a couple of the sort of combat sections of the game, and almost always it was just because I would be focused on somebody, and somebody would come up behind me and murder me. Like, the only times I would die is because I just didn't see somebody. Yeah. Um, Generally speaking, you can outrun essentially every enemy in the game. So in, like, these combat areas, you can basically just, like, run in circles and just get some (laughs) distance away from them. So, yeah, I I didn't find the game too difficult. There were a couple of stealth sections where I died, like, three or four times because I didn't see a guy. And that was a little annoying to me. Just generally, stealth games are not the most fun game mechanic most fun gameplay mechanic for me i totally agree i felt like the enemies like reacted 
faster to noticing you in this game than they did in the first game. And I don't know if that's true or not. It just felt like it was while I was playing the game. I had problems in stealth in this game where they would notice a noise and then become alert, start looking for you, you'd hide, and then they would just infinitely be alert. Did you ever run into that? No. Not infinitely, but like definitely to a point where I got stuck in this in this one section one time where I was like in a room that only had one way in and one way out. And if the character, if the enemy noticed you, his first like search path was basically into the room with you. And so there was no way for you to not make him go in that room. And I basically just had to go back to a last checkpoint and not go in that room. (laughs) Cause I would, cause I just got stuck in there and it was like, yeah, you could kill the guy. And then, but then everybody gets alerted. And and I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. I want to try to like stealth my way through the whole game without trying to kill people. Cause I like doing that, especially in stealth games. Like, like that was my, the best part of the dishonored games to me was do them do pacifist runs. And so I was trying to do that in this game as well. And I just had to, I just had to go back a checkpoint a couple times to like unfuck myself, basically. Yeah, it's definitely an extra level of challenge to try and get through stealth sections without killing people because a lot of times you can make your job a whole lot easier by by murdering a couple of the guards on patrol. Sure. Yeah. Um, also, they added a new weapon in this game, the crossbow, mm-hmm. and it is so good. One of the upgrades on the RPG tree just makes it so that you can get your crossbow bolts back from corpses. Boy, if you do that, so good. you're yeah. just unstoppable. <laughs> yep. Doesn't matter how many people they throw at you. It's so easy to kill everyone. Was the, the knife in the first game where the, I thought the knife was the weirdest video game logic? No, so let's explain how it works. So in this game, there are very, very rare items, usually in secret locations, where you will get a knife. And the knife is can be used for one of two things. One, when like an enemy gets in melee range with you, you can like press a button and basically stab them with the knife, which gets rid of the knife. It's a one-time use. For some um, reason, you can't take that knife out of that person. Just right, you stab him in the in like the belly. And yeah. There's no reason that the knife would be at all broken or gone, yeah. but it is. And then you can also use it to like pry open these essentially like treasure chests, like rare treasure chests. And again, the knife is just the broken in the every process time. every yeah. single uh, time. <laughs> so I mean, that makes t- to be fair, that makes more sense. It makes more. Yeah, it makes sense. more sense. But to uh, break every time, this girl is so unlucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a weird, it was just a weird mechanic to add to the yeah. game. And I don't understand why they did it. Nah, I wasn't a fan of it. Especially because, like, this is a stealth game at its heart. It's a stealth puzzle game. You should be avoiding combat if at all possible. And, like, just the the fact that they just, like, kept shoehorning combat into it, I don't know. Well, what I didn't like about it was, like, okay, I'm you know, I'm like a resource worker and i want to upgrade everything to the max if i can rpg wise so like anytime an enemy comes up to me it's like oh you can use the knife to avoid it and it's like no that's fine i'll just die and reload right i'm not going to use the thing that allows me to get access to secret super chests right which is and is the only thing that you can get in that level to get you access to that right yeah exactly like you cannot get in these chests other than with the knife so using it to survive an encounter when you could reload a checkpoint 30 seconds earlier is like why did you even add that no one should do that also uh this might be a spoiler but another weapon is rats yeah you just use the rats as hugo and kill people now as your pacifist 
run do you count killing people with rats well the thing is that like sometimes you're just forced to do that yeah so like i don't really count those you know i do my absolute damnedest to not use the rat powers oh okay unless i just out unless you're just there's no other way to solve you know the puzzle or the traversal than using the rats that also feels like on theme like there's a whole mechanic for like don't use the evil powers it's like it's making you go bad right and that was in the first game too so it's like you know you kind of it was it was the same it felt the same did you well i know chris probably didn't do it do it but i kind of did enjoy the stealth aspect of having the lights go out to kill people and having them come back on to help you like i thought that was a fun little i don't know if that was in the first game yeah, like putting out people's torches to yeah. let the rats eat them, and then yeah. and then like relighting that was stuff. a part of the first game. And there were sections where you actually had to do it. It was like the only way to get rid okay. of certain soldiers that were patrolling was to to knock their torch out of their hand with your slingshot. Also, another weird video game logic: you turn out the lights, the rats go to eat a guy, and now there's no lights. You're able to freely walk across without the rats bothering you because they're all very very focused on this guy. They're very busy. <laughs> Yes. The first time it told me to just like walk past, I was like, yeah. but aren't but they going to eat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a couple like, sections where you like knock down, you know, hanging meats, mm-hmm. like a deer yeah. carcass or whatever, and they go swarm that. And you're just like, mm, I'm completely that? fine to stand directly next to them and they will not leave this. Yeah. I, I will say, if, no, if you go like touch them with your foot, they will eat. But I will say they are now infinitely there. They are not, it's not like a timer of yeah, like, like no. you got 30 seconds to get by. It's no, they're just there now. Right. Which, yeah, it makes <laughs> yeah. sense. Um, I did actually, actually enjoy as far as the stealth parts and some of the combat stuff um, that there actually were a lot of times multiple routes to get through areas for stealth stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times stealth game, there's kind of just one particular route that you're supposed to take. In this game, there was definitely almost every section has two or three different routes. You can climb, you know, go up top and navigate the second story. You can be on the ground floor. You can go to the left and go through the fields. You can go to the right and use pots and pans to distract them. Like I, I enjoyed that there was at least some variety in, in getting through stuff. Yeah, they did a good job with that. It's not a walking simulator, right? Like the, the levels are very three-dimensional and there's a bunch of different... There's Particularly, there's one that, that's pretty early in the game. I don't remember exactly why you do it, but there's one where you just like come out of this room into like this big open sort of field and there's just like all these walls going all which way and there's like a guard up in a tower. There's a bunch of guys around and then there's like multi-levels to it. So like four or five probably different paths you can get to like get to the second tier and then there's you know a branching path and there's one guy here doing one thing and one guy here doing another thing and you can distract each of them in different ways so that they go different directions and yeah that i just really like the the choice yeah i mean i don't love stealth as a mechanic generally in in games it's just not my favorite kind of gameplay but i do think they did a pretty good job designing um the the areas to stealth around in here I will say in the main cities, they do feel very lived in and there's people having small conversations like everywhere you go. Even the uh, when you get to the island and there's like that market mm-hmm. that's going on and like the fair and like there's a there's like a band performing and mm-hmm. like one area like that all feels so feels living and breathing. It feels legitimately like a city. It doesn't feel like uh, just like some 
put together walking sequence for a video game. I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I definitely expected this game to wrap up in chapter 10. Yeah. Uh, like, it felt like it was coming to a conclusion. And then I was like, oh, oh, I guess, no, we got, oh, okay, we got <laughs> a lot more of this game going. <laughs> I think to Garrett's point, yeah, I think they could have wrapped this game up in chapter 10 mm -hmm. and not truncated a little bit of that ending. The ending definitely sort of dragged. But I did, okay. I still liked the ending, though. I really, okay. like, the very end, I really liked. Yeah. Let's talk about the music. The music for Plague Tale Requiem was composed by, oh, I'm going to butcher this, Olivier Derivier. It's Olivier Derivier. Olivier Derivier, yeah, probably, <laughs> I don't know. But I don't know, there's another E on the end, who knows. Anyway, uh, he's a French composer, obviously, a Sobos, a French studio. He composed the soundtrack for the first Plague Tale game, obviously, as well as Dying Light 2, which I didn't know. A game, he actually won a International Film Critics Award for Best Game, Best Video Game Music for a game called Remember Me from, like, 2013. The game cool. soundtrack is really interesting because a lot of it is just, like like kind of sparse atmospheric stuff so there's a lot of the game where the only sound is like the ambient sound of the city that you're in and then there's other games there's other parts where like you go down into you know the sewers or the underground area or whatever and it's dead silent except for like i don't know what this instrument is i looked i couldn't figure out what it was but there's this one instrument that kind of sounds like almost like a didgeridoo like, this is really low, drawn-out, single note, and it's, like, it's super sinister, and I love, I love when those sections come up. Just really, really sets the tone for the game. Like, there's big orchestral sections sometimes for the action sequences when you're running, you know, you're sprinting through the hallways with the rats and stuff, or, like, the cinematic scenes have orchestral stuff behind them, and those are fine, but where the game really shines is, like, when it's just silent and then like a couple notes here and there that make it that make it scary just like unsettling yeah background music yeah they do a good job too of letting you hear the rats before you see them you know like you can hear them squeaking and you you can hear like the rumbling of how many there are is always cool this same guy did the first Plague Tale, and I felt like this was pretty much the same. Like, they didn't really build on it. I didn't change much, but I loved it in the first game, and I, and I obviously love it in this game, too. All right. Should we get on to final thoughts? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so I enjoyed my time with a Plague Tale Requiem. I don't know that I would recommend it to somebody who hasn't played a Plague Tale Innocence, but I would recommend to play Kill Innocence for sure. And if you play the first one, then this one is probably worth your time. It is 50 bucks. And I think for a, you know, a 15 hour experience, that's good, but not totally mind blowing. That's a bit expensive for my taste. You can get it on the Xbox Game Pass, either for your Xbox or for PC. So I would say if you want to play this game, that's definitely the way I would recommend doing it because it is worth a dollar or, you know, 10 bucks for a month. Overall, I was very satisfied by the ending to Amicia and Hugo's story. I do agree with Garrett that it kind of dragged in, in the middle. Look, this game is basically The Last of Us, but worse. 
Um, and, I mean, <laughs> like, I'm not trying to dig on a Plague Tale by saying that. The Last of Us is fucking incredible. You know, it's one of the best game franchises ever made. It's a very similar thing. Like, it's very story-focused. There's some action, but mostly it's stealth stuff. So, you know, it's kind of a lot of the same vibes. It just doesn't hit the nail quite as hard on the head as The Last of Us does in both sort of gameplay mechanics and in story. But I liked it. So I recommend it if you've played the first one and you want to see how the story ends. I think you'll be satisfied by the game. I think you'll enjoy it all the way through. Some minor frustrations aside, I think it's worth worth your time. I didn't like it. <laughs> the, the characters didn't grip me. I think it, we talked about it earlier. So I was led to just focus on the gameplay and the fun gameplay mechanics that were not fun. Pretty bare-bones stealth mechanics. I, I think they did a good job throughout the game upgrading your weapons and your, your arsenal of tools against stealth, but it just wasn't that much. I felt when they were trying to be scary, it wasn't very scary because like the problems we talked about earlier where the rats just like hone in on one guy and it's like, well, I'm not scared because the mechanics in this game are weird. And if you get Game Pass, if you already have Game Pass, yeah, it's worth a download if you've played the first one. But as someone who didn't play the first one, I I can't recommend it at any price. Yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from, Garrett. I uh, When I talked about the first game on our Backlog Bonanza, basically my only recommendation was play it for the story because the mechanics are not great. That continues with this. There's no reason you should play this game if you didn't play the first one. The only reason I got excited about this was because of how compelling the story was. I was satisfied by the story, but again, the, me the gameplay mechanics are average at best, probably. That's not the reason to play the game. The reason to play the game is for the story. If that appeals to you, get it. Again, Xbox Game Pass, you sign up for a dollar, you get this game, you cancel your subscription, you've, paid, you've played a $50 game for a dollar. No way is this yeah. game worth 50 bucks. I didn't even think the first one... I got the first one for free when it went free on Epic, so I didn't even pay for that. I enjoyed it because I was invested in the story. That's the only reason to play it. If you liked the first one, play this for the story. If you didn't, don't, don't bother. Yep. All right. I think that's going to do it for us here at Hidden Doors and High Scores. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Austin. I'm Garrett. And I'm Chris. You can find us at HDHS Gaming on all the social media platforms. Make sure to check us out on Twitch, see what we're playing and talking about. Come and join us in Discord, where we play Hangout and play games every night. We're always happy to have more gamers on the server. All those links will be in the show note for this episode. And lastly, if you like this podcast, give us a rating or, you know, a review or send us questions, comments, concerns. They really help us out, get us more visibility, and we would really appreciate it. Thank you.